Well, hello everyone. Hello, good evening, everybody. good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're at in the world. And welcome into the Buddhist Biohacker. And tonight is a very special feature that we are doing every single month. This is me and my husband's very first show together, um, the Pulsension Music Hour, where we are bringing together musicians and spirituality and talking about healing through music. And we had an awesome show last month talking all about Led Zeppelin. And now we are back with our special guest, Jeff Strong. Welcome back, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Good to see you, too. Yeah, it's so great to have you back. I love having you on. You always have so many great things to say. And Scott's got your brand new book here, or your brand new, he's got lots of stuff over here. <laughs> I have the original. I had to break it out because this is how we found you. Yeah, this is a, and it's, it's a funny, I got to run through this really quick because it's, it's funny how this wound its way uh, to where we are right now, which is, I bought this book probably 2004-ish, maybe 2003, but it was the first edition. And I think it sat on, I, I thought I would understand it when I first read it and I did not. I, I'm a drummer and uh, I was recording, but not, I didn't have my own studio. So I set it aside on a shelf for many years, looked at it periodically. And then last year with the pandemic and starting to do recording at home, uh, I cracked this open and I started looking through it and I saw it mentioned that you did some stuff with, you know, calming beats, right? So then I did some uh, Googling and I saw this stuff about you and I was like, oh my God, Lisa, you got to talk to Jeff. You're, <laughs> you're doing the spiritual stuff. I'm in the music. Um, so it's, it's really funny how that worked out. And then we, we connected up with you about, um, I don't know, June of last year or so. It's almost a year ago. And uh, I just think it's yeah. incredible because I, I even have this book like marked because I refer to it now all the time. I gave um, a guy in a studio that uh, is out here. I gave him some of the info that's in here. So it's it's an amazing book. I got to plug it because I love it. And I, I got this from the library because I wanted to A-B them. And I know I'm going to get this one probably digitally so I can carry it around with me wherever the heck I am. Next time I'm in a studio, I can break it out. So I appreciate it because it's, ama it's a, an amazing book and a great reference. Well, thank you. You know, that, um, that book is, it was kind of, um, it was an interesting thing because um, I was lucky enough to do drums for dummies back when Dummies was a kind of just new as a brand. It was just kind of growing. And um, in the midst of that, doing that book, the company that started the brand sold it to Wiley, which was a, you know, was a very large publisher. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do the recording books because they, Wiley took the brand and they just blew it up. And they went in directions that hadn't been done and um, that's book, I think I just, I think that's the sixth edition that just came out. So um, it had quite a life and it's still going. And the sad part of well, it yeah. and the fun part yeah. is that this last revision took so much work because things have changed tremendously in the last couple of years in recording. So 
it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell just looking through it because um, I do use my iPad to make beats now. And so it's it's like a whole, that's a whole other world too. Just the, the accessibility, I think, for all artists um, on a computer, on an iPad, on a digital device. It's amazing. Yeah, there's, there's really nothing you can't do with recording right now. Uh, things that that mind-boggling what's 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 possible, and that opens a lot of doors for you know what could be happening therapeutically with music as well. So um, I've yeah. been thinking a lot about that this year, just looking at technology changes and what we've been doing here with uh, EEG and trying to understand how to kind of work the bits bits and pieces of what it means to to do the actual technical aspects of recording and be able to influence the neurology at the same time uh, through these different things. So um, pretty fascinating. Well, yeah, I would love for you to dive into that a little deeper because it is it's so fascinating to me. And Scott and I watched a documentary called, um, what was the, what it was it called? The, the uh, Full Mantis called the full mantis about a drummer who was doing all sorts of scientific experiments with drumming and the heart and the brain. And so I'd love to hear about what you're doing and, and what you've learned because it really is incredible how music influences our energy, our mental body, how we think, what we feel. It's just, I'm fascinated by all of it. I love the science because it, it proves positive, like, the work that we're doing as healers. Right, and there's so much that we, um, we're just at the very tip of the iceberg here with it. Um, you know, I, I used to think that I knew a fair amount about this, but um, this last year, because of the pandemic, I've had an opportunity to really dig in at a level because there's been no distractions and there's nothing else we could do. So um, I spent a lot of time uh, reworking my recording system because uh, I was in the midst of writing this book during that time as well, um, doing deeper exploration of EEG um, on me because I couldn't get people over here to to do it. Um, and so I got to see some things that I was not expecting, really, um, that, it, that have, uh, I think pivoted a lot of what I'm doing. And um, we'll probably get to this as we talk, because that's where the Beyond Shamanism uh, course that I came out with has come from, is, is some of this exploration that I've been doing since, since uh, really the beginning of last year. And um, just to, to, to kind of give an overview, uh, you know, it's, it all gets fairly technical, but um, the, the broad strokes are that if you play from a drumming perspective, if you play rhythms at a certain tempo, uh, the brain waves will synchronize to that tempo. And this goes back tens of thousands of years, this technique has been used and it's part of traditional shamanism. And the idea here is that um, uh, the traditional shamanic practice would, in, would include a rhythm at a very slow tempo, about four beats per second. Um, and that would in turn create a four beat per second oscillation in the brainwave patterns, which would bring the listener into a, an altered state of consciousness called theta. And theta is an inwardly directed state where we can access other worlds, other realities. Um, you know, our brains go through 
four or five levels of consciousness. And it's, it's a gradient. So it's not just, you know, one and then switch to another, but it's a continuum. The lowest being delta, which is unconscious and really deep sleep. And that's about barely anything, a half a beat per second to maybe around three and a half beats per second or so. And then around four beats per second to around eight beats per second is the stata state, which is inwardly directed. And at that low end where the shamanic technique is what you're doing is you're disassociating yourself from your outer world, from your sensory system. And your uh, nervous system is opening to a different reality, a different way of being able to sense. And so you're not picking up from your touch or your hearing, your sight, you're picking up from somewhere else, something else. And this is uh, what the shamans have been trying to accomplish. And this is that state that is the out-of-body experience. It's the lucid dream. It's that 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 in undefinable state that, that we're in between wakefulness and sleep. You know how a lot of us will go to bed or, or better yet, this is my favorite, the favorite thing in the world is I take a nap in the afternoon. And um, as I'm laying down and I'm kind of settling in and I'm breathing, I will get to the state that just feels like I'm floating. You know, I'm just kind of everywhere at once. That is the brain going into a theta. And um, it's a real hit or miss for most of us. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're actively meditating and trying to focus on your breath or be mindful, it's real hard to get into that state. Whereas if you have some help with the drumming, for instance, like the shamans did for thousands of years, or you're just darn lucky and you have one of those brains that can shift into that space, it's really quite magical. And that's the area that I've been really exploring a lot this last year because um, without being able to look at things from a clinical level by plugging in a bunch of people, I kind of had to look at myself. And this was the, the most natural place to be exploring. And um, I noticed not only that theta frequency that, that I just described, but I think what we're seeing is when, at least in me, and I'm sure this happens to other people too, but um, once I'm into that state, I'll start seeing some gamma level activity in my brain. Now, gamma is a really kind of unexplored state that's a higher level, I don't want to call it higher level as being better than, it's just a faster frequency that goes on in our brains. It's about 30 hertz to around 100 hertz, um, which bypasses our normal wakeful consciousness, which exists between 12 and 30, which is beta. Um, so it's above our normal way of interacting with our sensory system. Uh, our sensory system, I hope I'm not getting too wiggly here if, if I am just tell me to no we uh, love it we love it <laughs> okay. so so just to back up a little bit our sensory system is kind of primary in our in our world um in these two middle states called alpha and beta and alpha is just above theta which is about 8 to 12 uh, beats per second and then beta which is about 12 to 30 and really at that point our um we're, we're kind of in response to our sensory input. You know, we're always reactive to what we're seeing or healing, hearing or um, smelling or any, any of these five senses that we have. When you break out of that realm and you start opening to another type of sensory input, this intangible, now you've got gamma activity, which is really not well known at this point. We see gamma 
happening in certain ways. Um, and and, and um, I'm trying to understand a little bit about what this means, but I'm seeing it connected to theta, that low theta, that almost unconscious state. And um, there's something really, to me, really powerful about what's happening with those two together, that we can go into theta and then just, you, you've got that activity. Um, and then just kind of coming out from under that is this, this gamma. And it's not triggered by anything other than something going on within our nervous system, which I think is also connected to the broader perspective of what connection we have with the universe in general, that intangible spiritual piece that, you know, scientists like me don't really want to touch or we, we can't understand because it doesn't have the data that we can collect. So seeing this starts getting some data that I can start looking at and saying, well, what's going on? And um, that's been the exploration that I've been doing the last year and primarily, so. Where do you think that Where? ends up with respect to music in general? Do you think that people are picking up on how to inject that into their music? Do you, do you see that anywhere? And I have a specific reason I'm asking, but I'll let you answer first. Oh boy, I, wow. Um, probably people are doing it and not being aware of it. Um, I, I think that it, it's gotta be, I think it's gotta be inherent in some level of um, intuition that a lot of us have with, when, we're, when we're in that creative spot writing music. I think there, that that has to play in somehow. Um, you know, when I when I look at when I look at that creative process that that comes in, and you're following the muse, and you're you're exploring from a, a, a very feeling place. I think it's got to be part of it. I'm just not sure that we can track it yet. What would be really cool on that note would be to hook up some composers, some, some songwriters as they're doing their creative process and see what's going on. Because I'll bet you we see some stuff going on there. Um, I think that's the higher level. If, if, if one were to qualify it as being higher as in enhanced or better, I think that that would be the piece that comes from this. I think Gamma is really about that that intangible, that creative space, that um, openness of, of making abstract connections. That would be my guess. Yeah, the reason yeah, I'm asking guys doing their stuff in their room, you know, at home, and a lot of the electronic um, music that I, I'm seeing popping up, like you can go to YouTube and just watch people do work on synthesizers and all sorts of things. Um, it seems to me like there's a lot more what used to be called new age. And I mean, maybe it's still called you new age, but it seems like there's a lot more of that being done um, kind of as, as just uh, 
um, home project music. Uh, and I, I find it very interesting because it, it has this, a, a lot of droning, like a lot of synth pads and airiness and space. And um, it, it's very calming in a lot of cases. And even with some of the beats that people are making, um, it seems that it's kind of shifting into something that's more conscious of that. I don't know. Um, but it's been very interesting for me to see that coming up and being more and more available and prevalent. Um, it's easy to find on streaming. It's easy to find, you know, YouTube and music services. Um, and it's, it, it seems to be tying into this this thing that you're talking about, but I just find it fascinating about the timing of it. It's peculiar. Very interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I, there's something about, and, and I go back to the ambient instruments kind of world, um, ambient movement from maybe the 60s, 70s, where they deconstruct. Um, the idea is to create um, a feel an environment, an atmosphere, yeah. instead of um, creating um, structures that that we're used to in in you know typical songwriting, and um, being having having an openness, I think is kind of interesting. You know, and granted, everything I do, um, we have our ambient stuff in Brain Shift Radio, but everything I do is is very um, you know pulse oriented. You know, these are beats. Everything I'm doing are beats. And um, so to strip that away is an interesting idea. And um, something I'm looking at as well, but very differently because we're blending it with our beats. So um, very cool that people are experimenting and they always will. But I think um, with a lot of these synthesizers you can get nowadays, this, the soundscapes are limitless, what you can create. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it seems that yeah, you can take, they can take effect and not just have um, it's it's a the combination of like you're saying it's there's the there's the tone with the pulse, and I'm curious how how do you approach that? How do you take um, attempting to, to influence brain with pulse and beat? and blend that with the, the tones and the music. The, the, the original idea for me to add an ambient instrument to the drumming was to tamp down the intensity of the drumming, um, especially for adult listeners. Now, um, you know, the core of what I do are, uh, is rhythmic entrainment intervention. And, and what that is is using drumming rhythms roughly the low end of the alpha state of consciousness, um, an outwardly directed relaxed state, um, about eight beats per second, um, to get the brain into this calm neurological state so it becomes receptive. And um, we generally work with people on the developmental disability spectrum, anxiety disorders, mood disorders, sleep disorders, uh, sensory processing disorders, and most of these people are children. And they don't come to the music with any with a lot of listening experience. And so we can just throw the drumming on and um, 
it, they'll just let it be. They won't be listening to it. It'll just be there. And it just becomes part of an atmosphere for them. And uh, when we started working with adults, we found that adults wanted to listen to the music. They wanted to listen to the drumming. They felt like they had to be attentive to it. And that became really annoying. They we would see anxiety go up. We'd see people kind of just getting really resistant, resistant to listening. So I created these ambient instruments as a way to kind of give the conscious brain something to grab onto that would not require a lot of resources. So I looked towards um, a lot of Brian Eno's music, um, music for airports, stuff like this. Um, yeah. Some really cool stuff he, he's done where you're, you're creating um, a very open harmonic structure without creating a melody that turns it into a song. And by creating something open that, that is unpredictable, it gives conscious mind something to grab without grabbing so hard that it really pulls you in. The idea is that it just becomes an atmosphere. It becomes something that's that that um, just sits in the background and allows you to go about doing your thing. It's not threatening, but it keeps you from from focusing on the drumming and wind, wanting to figure it out uh, consciously. Um, so as I as I play with the ambient stuff, that's the goal is to to create soundscapes that um, can allow for the person to not really pay attention, but get a feel. But then when I started doing the research last year and really looking at my brain in response to this, this weird flow theta and seeing the gamma, we started playing around with different harmonic structures and different blends of the, the sounds that I was using. You know, I can, I can layer you know, a dozen synthesizers on top of each other, different sounds to create the, the structure that I want. And notice different things are happening with gamma. And um, not really sure what's where it's going yet, but I can see gamma come up in certain areas of the brain and, and, and almost for, I don't want to make this sound like I know what I'm doing, but um, I can almost get, I can almost decide I can see that someone eventually may be able to say, I want to, I want to get the left parietal lobe to activate now, and I'm going to play this structure of harmonic structure to get that to happen. Um, I'm not anywhere near that yet, but I'm seeing some correlation between the way the sound, the ambient sound works and the type of gamma activity we're seeing, um, if, if that makes sense. That's really amazing. That's really amazing. And, and um, I'm sorry, guys, for the I'm feedback on our, on our sound show. Um, but uh, for everybody who's joining in, I see some of you guys are commenting that you're new. So welcome in to the Buddhist Biohacker. And we're here with Jeff Strong. And if you guys have questions for Jeff or for us during the show, please put them in the comments. We love that. We also would love to hear where you're from. Um, Jeff, this fascinates me, what you're talking about, because... Um, there's some science, uh, some like scientific articles that have been written specifically about the lamas in Tibet because they do a very particular kind of chanting um, that combines two different tones. And it's a guttural chanting 
that requires that activation of vibration. And so one of the questions I had for you, because um, I started taking your, your first shamanic drumming course, is do you think there's a correlation with the beats and the vibration itself? And I ask because we have our gong and we do some gong baths. And when you're in a space that's wood floors and the gong is vibrating in the floors, there's something happening between the drumming and the vibration. And so I'm just wondering if you have any feelings on that or thoughts on that also. Yeah, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, the, the, the entrainment aspect is going to come from the pulsation of the drumming. The gong and the, the, the you know, the resonance of the, of the room is only going to go as low as the gong can go, maybe. I mean, geez, the lower gongs are going to, you're going to maybe get 100 hertz. Most of them are going to be much higher than that. Uh, you might have some harmonics that are down below that, but not. I mean, what a gong is 36 inches diameter. I mean, you're not going to get that deep of a, of a frequency that you're going to entrain to a frequency. It's the pulse of drumming that's going to entrain because you're not going to hear four hertz and a gong isn't going to create a four hertz frequency. It's just, it's physically impossible for it to do that. Four hertz wave is way longer than that. Uh, anything a gong can create. So in brainwave entrainment, so if we're looking at theta and we're looking at theta entrainment, uh, we're going to be looking at it strictly from the drumming. But now we get into an interesting uh, concept when we talk about vibration and tone. Uh, the guttural chanting um, and a gong, they're going to have a different resonance. And um, that doesn't mean you're not going to get some theta activity from it but it's not gonna be the result of an entrainment. Um, I'm trying to think of what we've seen because I've done a bunch of um, experiments with and without some of our ambience. And when I build ambience, I really love to put subwoofer level stuff in. You know, I like to get down to 30 Hertz if I can really get it you know, to the point where you can't really hear it so much as you can feel it. Um, and, um, I'm not really sure I understand what's going on there yet. So um, probably in another year, I might figure a little of that out. But I think there's something to it, especially those low frequencies. I, I think there's something about the way they vibrate us that has a unique way of interacting with this altered state. Mm -hmm. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So go I'm ahead. curious, are there, are there any books out there that, that you'd consider kind of the Bible for for this type of information. Has anyone written that yet? No. No. There, there's, um, geez, I, I've even just come across only a couple of obscure studies that have been done. Um, but no, no one's compiled into a book. Um, I, I think, I think there's some interesting research that's not, going to be about music and sound with these altered states. And um, I think you're going to find that some of those are going to be doing, uh, are, are the research being done in psychedelics. You're going to find some of that being really um, an opportunity to, to start looking at what sound is doing a little differently. 
And uh, because, you know, the whole world of psychedelic research is not about EEG. It's not about entrainment. They're looking at, at very different parts of the brain and how these centers of the brain are responding uh, to these chemicals. And, and, and that's one thing I've been looking a lot at because how does one um, correlate what we see in traditional shamanic drumming, for instance, with what was done traditionally with uh, psilocybin, for instance, ma magic mushrooms. Shamans have, across time uh, I and mean, across the world, have either used percussion to get into an altered state or chemicals. And um, they're both really valid ways of doing it. There's pluses and minuses for each of them. But the research that's being done on both of these from, from a neuroscience perspective are looking at two very different mechanisms, two, two very different languages. And I've been trying to begin to understand how I can take what I know about the EG and then try to, to, to see if I can correlate it with what the psychedelic researchers are using for their language. So that maybe I can understand a little bit better um, what we're seeing as well, because I think it's more complicated than just brainwave entrainment. There's a lot more going on there, I think. So, mm -hmm. and well, that's course, where- Oh, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say that's where frequency and and chanting and gongs and synthesizer soundscapes can come in if if we can understand what that other piece is because you're not going to see the effects of that in EEG in a traditional brainwave entrainment format because it just doesn't do it it's just not that's not its tool so yeah. My question is, you know, with all this work you've been doing, what are, have you seen or experienced changes within yourself while you're doing this work and going into those states? Like what, what has changed for you or what's opening up for you? That's a really good question. Um, you know, um, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, there's, so as far as I'm concerned, it's this whole, I'm just realizing just at what level of infancy I am at really beginning to, to grasp the vastness of what this question is. You know, I, I think, so it's, it's, it's woken me to the idea that maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did which I think is a really humbling experience. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say yeah. that because one of the great yogi quotes is the more you become enlightened or awakened, um, the less that you know. So actually knowing nothing is is the best place to be. And I love that quote because I, I understand what you're talking about. It's like the more we learn, the more we realize we really don't know very much, so. Yeah. It's, it's an endless, the endless subtlety in it. And um, which is good because otherwise what we get bored doing it. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing to have the opportunity to explore that. That's the gift of the last year for me is to be forced to slow down um, and, and to be isolated to the level that it, it's forced me to have to dig deeper than I would have probably otherwise. So. Mm -hmm. We 
have a question from, I hope I say your name right. It's Maureen, I believe. Mari's from Western Australia. So thank you for being awake at this hour in Australia. And um, their question is, is gamma used as a relaxing frequency or motivation? Where do you place gamma beats in the lineup of beta, alpha, theta, and delta? So that is their question. Okay, um, no, I, don't, I wouldn't consider gamma anywhere near relaxation. Um, gamma, um, just to, to go across the line of delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma. Um, delta, like I said, is about one, about 0.5 or just barely above zero uh, beats per second up to around three and a half, four beats per second. Four beats per second or so to around eight beats per second is theta. Um, alpha is around eight to 12. These three are fairly musical if you play them as beats to entrain. Um, here's, here's kind of the breakdown. If, if I'm playing um, a four beat per second pulse, it's, it's, this, it's this tempo here. That's about four beats per second. If you're playing a metronome, for instance, and you set it to 60 beats per minute, you're playing eighth notes. If, you're, if, you're, if your beat is set to a quarter note equals is, is one beat. So um, that's, that's four beats per second. That's musical, eight beats per second about here. That, that in, in classical music and, and Western music is, is considered march tempo. So that's musical. You get to 12 beats per second, the high end of, of alpha, you're not really too musical anymore. You're at 180 beats per minute and you're playing 16th notes. So if that metronome is set to quarter notes, you're playing four drumming beats for every pulse of that metronome at 100 beat, 180 beats per minute. It is fast. It's not going to be terribly musical anymore. So entrainment is pretty much out the window at 12 beats per second at that high end of alpha. So when you get into beta, now you're not, if you want to, if you want to get beta to happen uh, in the brain, you can do it through a binaural beat, um, although not comfortable, it's not going to work very well because you can't vary it enough, but that's a whole nother discussion. Or you can get it through the lowest frequency you may be able to hear um, with your human hearing. Human hearing goes down to about 20 hertz. Uh, beta goes from 12 to 30. So you can theoretically entrain beta through a very low frequency tone, through a subwoofer or something. But 20 hertz, a lot of us as we get older don't hear that. Uh, we're going to feel it a bit, and so you probably could entrain to that. But when you get to gamma, 30 hertz to um, 100 hertz, now you're looking at a frequency that is, is a low frequency that can be heard as a tone. So you could play it. You can, you can do a bass line, for instance, that's going to fit within that gamma. But we played around with that, and we didn't see gamma happen as a result of that. So I'm not sure that brainwave entrainment to gamma works. There's something else going on that triggers gamma. And my prediction on that is it has to do with, um, depending on where you're at, um, so I don't, I don't think gamma happens by itself. That's not what we see. So if you, if you take the brain and you look at it and you say, okay, there's some gamma activity on, there's also other activity going on in the brain when gamma is happening. 
And what we've seen when we played around with stuff is that if I'm doing our typical rhythmic entrainment intervention, for instance, and I'm getting the brain to entrain to eight beats per second, low end of alpha, I can trigger gamma by creating complex, unpredictable patterns. So the more complex and the more unpredictable the pattern is, in other words, the more difficult that pattern is for the brain to decipher, the more possibility that I'm going to get gamma activity from it. So what we see is, for instance, you know, I, I talk about musical variability and I talk about the difference between calm and focus a lot in my videos. Calm being a predictable variability. So you're basically creating um, a theme and then they're creating variations on a theme that allow you to always reference back. So I'm, I'm playing, for instance, a 3-3-2 um, a rhythm, most common therapeutic drumming rhythm in the world. Sounds like this. So it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one. So I'll play this at eight beats per second and then I'll do some variations, but you can always hear that three, three, two coming back like this. So, so that is calming. You'll, you'll entrain the brain to alpha, but you won't get a gamma activity from it because I don't know. I don't know why, but you're getting a calm and there's that musical variability that you can kind of predict. You feel comfortable because you know what's gonna happen and it's, it's relaxing because there's a familiarity that builds up. If you take that same tempo and you do something that's unpredictable, so I can play something that might not be in four, four time, it won't be a pattern that repeats, but it'll be something that's somewhat um, disjointed and chaotic and constantly evolving, you know, say like this. So it's just improvisation, for instance, I'm just jamming, right? We can see gamma activity start happening after a while. And, and, and what we've discovered is that we, if we use specific groupings that are impossible to really decipher because there's some weird combination of, of 137 beats long, for instance, before it repeats. And we use this pattern, we can see gamma happening consistently and we can start seeing gamma happen in certain parts of the brain fairly consistently. Um, so that's one way of triggering gamma. Another is if you take this theta that I talked about earlier, so you go down to the lowest level of theta, four beats per second. Person transitions into this inwardly directed state. They somehow get their brains to entrain to that. Their brains are primarily doing Theta, some people will just spontaneously start getting some gamma activity. Um, and I will say this, that whenever I've seen it in my own um, brain, what I feel at that moment is a sense of ecstasy um, and a, a level of just, I, I don't even know how to describe it, you know, that ecstatic experience that that otherworldly experience that, that something beyond me exists. That's what I feel when we see the gamma activity, but you can't predict it and you can't trigger it as far as I can tell at this point. I think that's a spontaneous thing with regards to the theta. 
I will say that at the alpha tempo, that gamma does not produce any feelings at all to me. So I'm not sure what's going on there. There's, I think there's different levels and I think there's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's quite a mystery to me, so. Are you finding, Are you that, finding that when you go, when you go so you talk about so patterns and talk about and what about polyrhythms? Where if you, if you were to play a four, four, and a seven four and have these things like this. So you're, it is, it's two different patterns repeating differently. Have, what do you find if you do that? Um, if, if you take the same, if you're just doing a polyrhythm and a polymeter, for instance. Um, so if you're doing a polymeter where you've got a seven, four and four, four going on, right? Um, and their downbeats are together. So you've got one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, transposing across each other. And it doesn't change. Not much is happening. Uh, you may get, depending on the tempo you play, you may get entrainment based upon the underlying pulse, which is going to be 28, the way these two interact. Um, so whatever that 28 would be tempo-wise, you could get entrainment. But um, if you go fast enough, you're going to get the brain to shut down because the pattern has become too repetitive. Now, if you were to take that and you were to compose around that, and um, now you've got a free-flowing thing where, say, you're, you're playing a rhythm in, in four, um, that has a periosity to it, a, a pulse to it that's unique to itself. So, so say I'm doing a four and I'm doing more of a samba pattern. Or let's better yet, let's go, let's go to the three, three, two. So you're taking that four beat meter and you're playing you know, basically eight beats with accents three, three, two. So one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one. And you're taking that and you're superimposing that over a seven or something with its own pulsation rhythm. And those rhythms change. Now you're creating something pretty cool. Now you're creating something that's unpredictable enough that you can get the brain to stay engaged. And so the rules apply. You know, I have these, for lack of a better way of describing this, rules of entrainment. And uh, if you're doing brainwave entrainment, there are certain things that need to happen for it to happen. First of all, the, 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 the tempos need to be within the musical realm of what your brain can decipher. So it can't go above 12 beats per second, really, because once you get faster than that, it just doesn't make any sense unless you're some savant in, in, in music listening, because you just can't process that much information. It's just too much. The, the rhythm needs to go on long enough for the brain to shift. And this, this, this is different for everybody. So for, for somebody who's never had an experience with brainwave entrainment, it could take 15, 17, 20 minutes before the brain's gonna shift. And then it may not be enough for you to really feel it, but the more you do it, the quicker you go in. So for instance, if I um, primarily, when I do the EG on myself, you know, I can see within the first minute or two that my brain has shifted. Um, whereas when I do it with other people, even people who have a lot of shamanic experience, for instance, I'm seeing five, 10 minutes is not uncommon. So the more you do it, the better your brain gets at it. 
Thirdly, the faster you go, the more variable the rhythm has to be. And this is, I think, the, the critical component to all of this. And this applies to binaural beats and isochronic beats. And this is where a lot of the binaural beat um, music that's out there loses it, because I don't think the people who've created it have done enough research or have enough understanding to really grasp the fact that the brains, our brains are pattern recognition systems. They're about deciphering patterns and determining whether or not whatever that input is, is something we need to pay attention to. And if we decide that it's not necessary for our survival to pay attention to it, we're not going to. And uh, what the, 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 the classic example is binaural beats will work for a short while in alpha, but not very long. So anybody who's got a program out that is using alpha tempo binaural beats, they're gonna make you change the music every week or two because you have to, because your brain becomes habituated to it. It learns the pattern and it says, what's the point? And then eventually it becomes noise. And for a lot of people it becomes annoying. So you've got to make sure that you have a high degree of variability the faster you go. So, um, so the key is then if we're going to entrain the brain and, 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 and brainwave entrainment isn't necessarily the only goal that we're going to want to have. But if that is our goal, we want to make sure as we speed up the rhythms that we use, that we use more variability to keep the brain engaged long enough to get that entrainment to happen. So, um, and once we understand those three rules, it's pretty simple to make it happen. Well, and I'm like, I've got 10 questions I wanna fit in in a short amount of time. But one of the questions I have, I've asked you before, which is, you know, about that variability. And I think it's worth asking you again for those that are new to you and new to our show is for me, the slower kind of steady shamanic drumming, if I'm listening to it on a, a station or YouTube or whatever, is very irritating. But when there's a lot of variability, I start to really feel like I'm going into that more of a trance state. And so I'm just curious if you want to touch on like why that is, because I think for me anyways, there's definitely, when you talk about that annoying, there's something about certain kinds of beats. And usually it's the less complex ones that drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's part of the evolution, evolution of our nervous systems or the danger of this thing right here, the phone. Um, it's social media. It's all, it's all the input that we get in our lives. We become so addicted to novelty that um, our brains don't do well with regularity. We, we are always, I mean, just think about how many times you check your email or you pick up your phone, how many times you're looking for that extra input. Um, so it, it makes sense then that if we're going to, to keep the brain engaged long enough in order to, for, for brainwave entrainment to happen, especially if we don't have a ton of experience with it, we're gonna to need to make sure there's enough unpredictability in it that our brains don't just decide that it's not worth it. Because we're used to getting new input, new stimulus all day long. You know, I think, I, I, I think it would be an interesting experiment for anybody to try to go just even an hour without seeking input. Um, what would happen if we didn't have that constant 
novelty that comes at us. Um, I think a lot of us would go crazy. So um, I, I think that's that's part of it. And then there's another aspect to, um, and so that's that's the ADD aspect of, of what we've become as a society, right? Most of us would consider ourselves pretty ADD because we get distracted pretty easily. Um, we're, we're looking for input. We process very quickly because we're used to it. Um, and so it's a real mind shift to slow down, which was, which is where mindful meditation can come in and also be the most aggravating thing in the world for a lot of us. Forget, I can't sit and focus on my breath. Are you kidding me? You know, not gonna happen. But I could focus, I could allow my nervous system to focus on a rhythm that's pulsing uh, variably, unpredictably, even slowly in the background. And then a really cool synth, pad that swells and, and, and dissipates and morphs, that's all good for a lot of us in our nervous system. So um, I think you're fairly normal in that regard. Um, and I think you should embrace it. I think everybody should. But let's maybe be a little bit aware of how, how much novelty we really want, because some of it's a little crazy. So. You just got me thinking. You just got me thinking. Consider a world entrainment or hour or hour something. Like a global event. Like a global event. With variable rhythm and not the traditional shamanic drum beat. <laughs> that would be really cool. So. Yes, well, I'm going to put it in my, we're going to do Radical Compassion Month in October in celebration of Gandhi's birthday. So maybe we can make it an official day in that month because i think it is you're right i mean the this the amount of stimulus and for me i'm really sensitive but i'm like on youtube shows and and emails and calls and things all day long and um you know to be able to just stop and be still and be quiet is really difficult and for me too i mean this is something jeff you and i one one day we've all got to get together in person <laughs> But I would love to like, dive into yeah. this whole thing too. For me as a medium, when when I go into a meditation, the spirit world is incredibly loud and overwhelming. So it takes me like additional time in my meditation practice to even get quiet, even when I'm quiet, because there's this whole other layer of stuff that's happening and one day I'm dying to plug one of my good friends has uh, works for a, a place here in Denver that does brain mapping and I'm dying to go do it because I it, there's this thing and so I, I'm very curious as I'm starting to learn the shamanic drumming through your course on the strong institute like how this is gonna shift me or what will happen with this because it's hard to get quiet and it seems not that you know other people don't have this experience but it's like once i get quiet then there's this whole layer of otherworldly stuff going on too so it's like i need everything to be quiet <laughs> yeah well, well, well good luck with that um you know it you know the, the that 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 world that 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 theater world is in my experience not terribly quiet um it's just a different it's a different environment. It can be, it can be overwhelming. Um, so yeah, um, I, I, I hear you. 
Well, good. Then you know, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, one thing too, I want to bring up is the, the gamma piece. I feel like we talked about last time when you talked about that, that oneness, that there's something about the gamma, that's the unity consciousness energy. And, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about that. Yeah, I don't know a lot yet. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I mean, in, in some ways it makes sense that there is another layer to this, but, um, you know, I, I think it, for me and, and anybody else I've talked to about this, it, it's, it's a real hit or miss. You know, there's times when I'll go and do a journey or I'll just meditate. Um, you know, I've done, been doing this long enough that, um, A, whenever I meditate, I turn on, I turn on brain shift radio and I put on the meditation tracks. So I've got the, the drumming going on in the background, but even in the times I don't, um, I can hear the pulsation in my brain. You know, I can hear the drumming. And so I can trigger that entrainment just through just sheer repetition of having listened to the drumming. Um, that um, I'm not sure where I'm going with this anymore. That um, trying to understand why and when that, that extra piece of what I'm thinking might be gamma happens, I don't know. I don't see a pattern yet. I think it's kind of hit or miss. And um, that's cool to think about that, that maybe there's another triggering mechanism that's here. Maybe it has to do with our receptiveness. Maybe it has to do with some other aspect. Hell, it could be what you ate that day or something. I don't know. But um, to me, that intangible is kind of intriguing and I'm, I'm interested in exploring a little further, so. I'm excited too. If you ever need a guinea pig, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty soon. I mean, um, we're almost to the point where we can start getting together in person now again. Um, and so at some point, I'll either bring some gear up or meet you halfway. You guys can come down here. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we would love it. I mean, we, we love you so much and we'd love it anyways. It's just all interesting. There's definitely both mm -hmm. Scott and I have a very analytical brain like we share that with each other and so the science piece and for me going on a spiritual journey I love the science because I, I find it very fascinating to go through this organic process and then find out that there's this very tangible data behind that organic process so I love what you do and just great comments from the audience you guys are awesome um we have folks from Lincoln, Nebraska, Salt Lake City, Utah, Western Australia. Um, Sean is sharing. She's just saying here, let me click on this if I can do it. Maybe I can. Oh, wait. Here we go. There we go. Fascinating and insightful. Um, Michelle is sharing. Um, drumming opens my heart like nothing else. So just a really nice audience tonight. Thank you guys so much. And before we wrap, Jeff, I really want you to take some some space to talk about brain shift rate brain shift radio because i think it's really incredible and i know you did some new things with it this last year and i'd love for you to share with everybody how they can access it and what it does well we have a free trial on brainshiftradio.com definitely check it out it's it, this is my baby this is um where all the the data that we're collecting you know just to back up you know, the core of what we do at the Strong Institute is our custom program. You know, we work with, with people with very clear um, neuropsychiatric, neurobiological conditions, and we do 
custom made programs. But the cool thing about BrainShift Radio is it, it goes beyond just this idea of, of what we do with the custom programs, which is eight beats per second. We cover the gamut of musical tempos. We've got seven different categories that we, we use, uh, focus, calm, brain boost, meditation, sleep, things like that. And um, the idea here is that we, I was intrigued by the idea of taking the drumming and then also building the ambient instrument. So BrainShift Radio is kind of its own little app system where you get loaded uh, some drumming rhythms based upon what your goals are. Um, and then also an ambient instrument track that you can then mix the balance between the two. So you can add more of the ambient if the drumming is a little disconcerting. Um, you can eliminate the ambient altogether if you just want the drumming. Um, and just building that infrastructure was challenging. Um, it took us a lot of time to, to build that. Um, and so that that is the place where I, I'm experimenting with my music the most. I have a whole bunch of new stuff coming in there. We're also building what's called a brain computer interface for it. Um, this is where the EEG really comes in. What we can eventually have, and I'm hoping in the next two years, we've been spending the last three years doing this, where we're, we're collecting data about people's response to the drumming. And um, what we're gonna have is the ability that you can buy an over-the-counter uh, EEG device like the um, MindWave or any of these other simple EEG uh, meditation tools. And we'll be able to read your brain waves and then you can set your goal and then we can deliver the music that's going to get the result that we know you should be getting. So we're going to be tracking, okay, is this person going actually going into theta? If not, well, let's, let's play around with the tempo. Let's play around with the instruments until we get them into theta. And so we can start making that direct connection um, anonymously, by the way, so we don't tie you to the, to the data necessarily. But, um, but yeah, BrainShift Radio is kind of like my favorite thing. And, and, and if I could do one thing in my life, that would be it. So um, if you get a chance, definitely check it out. I got to plug this. I got to plug this too. Yeah. If you don't. Too. Apple Music, for example. Apple Music, for example. Stream. Stream. You got these uh, different, these, uh, audio, different uh, audio uh, uh, Sorry. That's the Brain Shift collection. You can find that on Spotify as well. So, yeah, very cool. We downloaded this as part of the training session. Uh, your book, oh, cool. Yeah. Book, talk about the background and how you got to here. So I would encourage anyone would here encourage to, anyone to check it out. It's very cool. It out. Just very Google Jeff cool. Drong. Google Jeff Drong. Find all this. Yeah, I'm cool. Thank you. As well. Well, thank you guys. Such a pleasure to see you and talk to you. You're, you're like my favorite people. So, um, Thanks for having me on. You know what? You're one, of, you're one of our favorites, too. I'm just so happy that we connected. And I feel like there's so much here for us that's going to unfold. So it makes me really joyful every time I see you and the work yeah. you're doing. I do want to share with everyone, the Strong Institute does incredible work um, for kids, too, with autism and ADD, ADHD. And it's just really awesome. And 
Um, I just, I really believe in what you're doing, Jeff, and being married to a drummer to know that there's, this is an, a tool for healing and, you know, to take us to these different states. It's like, it's just great. So I'm so grateful to know you and to have you on the show and to just know you at all. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Likewise. Thanks, Jeff. Now I want to tell everybody out there, Pulsension Music Hour, this is our second episode. We are going to be doing one every single month. And next month in June, we'll be here with Mary Lydia Ryan, who is a pianist and a sound healer and just absolutely phenomenal. And she's going to be talking about sound healing. And I also am hoping we're, we've been talking a little bit about using sacred geometry through sound. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that with her. And don't forget, for those of you who are new to this community, I did develop and launch our own social media app, free of algorithms, free of ads, no tracking, no tracing, and it is called Jatakasa, that's A-J-A-T-A-K-A-S-A, -A -A -A. that's Sanskrit for infinite and boundless space, which is exactly what it is. It's on Apple, so it's in your app store. It's also on Google and the Google Play Store. You can also get it on the web. You can just go to ajatacasa.com or you can search it on your device. Um, but it's a free community. It's free to download. We launched it in February, and we have a Pulsension group inside the app. It's very similar to Facebook. We've got Messenger, and you can connect and follow each other and share, but it's very, very different from mainstream social media because it's a safe place to be authentic. But we have all sorts of musicians starting um, to collaborate in the Pulsension group. So please come join Scott and I in that group and just start sharing and connecting. It's really fabulous space. So I just want to remind everybody to go in there because it's pretty awesome. So, and uh, Jeff, I appreciate you so much and thank you for being on. And you guys, Jeff's been on a few times. If you search him on the channel, you can watch his other episodes as well. So thank you, Jeff. Yes. Thank you guys. Good to see you. All right. Absolutely. Have yeah. a great night, everybody.